the end. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump into this. Um, I got to push through this really uh, uh, forcefully and quickly so I can get this in. This is more informational purpose. I need to do part two of last weekend, you know, um, and uh, of charismatic witchcraft. And this is very important because most of you have never heard this. Uh, most pastors, including myself years ago, didn't even know that you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to establish a relationship between you and the congregation to let them know what is the proper way of doing things. Because sometimes pe- sometimes pastors will take it too far. Sometimes the congregation will take it too far. They will bestow things upon you that they should not bestow upon you. So there has to be balance, you know. And, um, and uh, as a leader, because we'll have a lot of up-and-coming leaders here, as a leader, you have to know when to tell the people to back off with the praise. You know, I personally don't like a lot of praise, uh, which happened yesterday. All I did was just do the offering for seven, eight minutes. And, and then people begin to praise me after the service like I was the guest speaker. And it just really, really makes me uncomfortable because it's the Holy Spirit. But because they can't see him, they give you the honor. And um, and so it just makes me uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. I can understand somebody saying, man, you you're nothing wrong with saying, hey, man, that word just really blessed me. You know, but then when people just keep going on and, and on and on and on, then I start getting really, really squirmish, you know, things like that. So, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, there's a fine line between honor and worship. You have to be very, very careful. And, um, and you don't want to give people, you want to give people honor, but you don't want to give them too many accolades because it's really not them. It is a companionship. It is a co-laboring together where you do a part. And as you do your part, the Holy Spirit does the other part. But even the part that you do, you could not do without them. And so, uh, so you got to be very, very careful with that. So we're going to run through this. And, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, the points that we brought up last week, I'm just going to read through them really quick. Well, we talked about how you can tell you're a part of a controlling, manipulative, uh, tyrant type of church. And when you're a part of a church like that, um, it's because demonic spirits are involved. Very important for me to say this again, you know. Um, and I guess I need to find out what the scripture is, but well, we'll find out about it later. You don't have to tell me now. But it says that uh, even a tree that is completely dried up from the roots, dead, will still grow leaves at the very scent of water. It's a very, very powerful scripture it, and because the prophetic significance of it is, is that you can have a church that's completely dead, completely dead. And if you just get a little bit of anointing on the scene, a little bit of word on the scene, it can still produce results, which will give you the impression that the church is alive. When actually it's dead, but the anointing always resurrects stuff from the dead. So if you get the anointing on the scene at a, at a disobedient church that is not connected to Jesus, you can still get results. So you have to be very, very careful. So, you know, we talked about number one, does the leadership teach that God will speak to them before he will speak to you? If God wants you to do something, he will always speak to the fa- pastor first because I'm your pastor. We talked about that's a warning sign. Second one is, does the leadership curse people who leave the church? Number three, does the leadership teach that they are the only true church and all other churches are wrong? That's a cult. Some are cults in the name of Jesus. Number four, are you forbidden to fellowship with your family if they are not saved or do not belong to your church? They want to cut you off from your family members. Number five, is there an overemphasis on teaching on submission to authority? You must submit to me unquestionably. You must do whatever I tell you to do. And if not, you are humiliated, embarrassed or rebuked and usually publicly. Number six, are you discouraged from reading books that are not approved by leadership? Number seven, are you forbidden to attend or visit any church that is outside your denomination or fellowship? Number eight, are people at the church publicly embarrassed and humiliated by leadership? That's a huge problem. 
Are people, number nine, afraid to voice any opinion contrary to leadership? If you disagree with something, are you afraid because you may be sat down, judged, cursed, fired, or have your license revoked? Not driver's license, even though I'm sure some fool tried to do that too. You know, we're talking about your ministerial license. You know, there are places where the Lord will tell you to start a ministry, and when you leave that church, they will revoke your license. It's a way of controlling you. Number 10, our marriage is being broken by the leadership. What we mean by marriage is being broken, number one, you can have a spirit. If that man of God is not right and his relationship is not right with his wife, then it'll be a spirit that'll try to force the same disruption in your marriages and your relationships. Also, the single individuals who are looking to date will end up dating the wrong individuals so that it can be a manifestation of a messed up marriage. It's deep. <clears throat> Ooh, that one came out without even permission. <clears throat> I end up over here and there. <laughs> Okay. So, but then uh, the, the other side of it is, is that, well, because your spouse does not come to my church, you need to divorce them because it's the devil and God has another ram in the bush for you. Yeah, the ram in the bush will be called Jezebel. Our people, number 11, being manipulated in their giving by leadership. Most of us have seen that. And then number 12, the leadership of the church has to approve many, if not all, of the personal decisions in a person's life. They tell you what car you can buy, what house you can buy, what clothes you can wear, what neighborhood you can live in, where you can go, whether or not you can go on vacation. I was a part of ministry one time. If you, uh, you were a volunteer and you had to fill out a vacation slip just to go on, I'm not filling out no vacation slip. Y'all don't pay me. It's called control. Okay. So I've had people who called in already and I have people at the Sunday location who said every single thing on the list I have experienced in the last few years. I mean, you know, that's really, really bad. Adelaide came to me Sunday and she said, I have experienced every single thing on the list so much so. She says, I am called to be an intercessor and have all of these giftings. She says, and I'm still struggling to get him caught, uh, get caught up and turned on at your church. And so so this is this is. This is the spirit of witchcraft working through a ministry or a pastor in order to shut down the gifts. They don't know it's witchcraft because there's not a witch there with a black hat on stirring a pot with potions. Okay, but the enemy always seeks to be unknown, not known, unknown, not visible, invisible. We need to manipulate you because the trick is to trick you out of your destiny. So we never want you to know that we're tricking you. Okay, so it's you have to go before God and fasting and prayer and say, Lord, am I doing something wrong? Because it's impossible for you to be a Christian and, and see everything. It's the reason why the Holy Spirit is given to us, to help us. It's the reason why he's called a helper. Okay, so it's very, very important. You have to analyze your life every single day. Okay, so I'm going to cover a couple of things because a couple of people got off balance with this, so I got to bring the balance. So we're going to talk about a couple of things, um, and, uh, and we're going to roll through these very quickly. Number one, should I go to church? Because the Bible says in the last days there will be a famine for the gospel. Some people have taken upon themselves that there is no true church any place. I can worship God at home. All of the people who say I can worship God at home, guess what they never do? Worship God at home. They watch TV and play Xbox on Saturday, Sunday, and any other day. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, everyone say custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. So Jesus set the example of church attendance. The Bible says he was the one who went to the synagogue on a regular basis. It was a custom. This is what he did. Even though he had an even an itinerant ministry all over the place, he still found himself in a synagogue in order to worship and to minister. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. I hope I'm not going too fast. Got a lot of scripture. Change that background a little bit, y'all. It's hard to see that the letters with the white background. Cool, thank you. 
<clears throat> Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So some people, they have a habit of making excuses about why they don't need to go to church. I can worship it. And notice what he said. The habit of some individuals is that they forsake the assembling of themselves together. I heard a preacher say this week, he said, you ever notice that when you need to be operated on, they don't come to your home. You have to go to them. So when you don't go to church, what you're saying is, Lord, I don't need an operation. You don't know what you need. Okay, we can't even hardly spell. Remember our multiplication from high school half the time. We don't know. You don't. We always think we know what we need. But there are things that attach themselves to you throughout the week and you need to be in an atmosphere so that can be washed off of you in the glory, power, atmosphere and worship of the Lord. He inhabits the praises of his people. And as he comes in and inhabits that praise, he begins to wash you clean. Now, if you're going to a raggedy place, that's different. Find a place it is not raggedy. It doesn't have to be perfect. Every night that we have people now, they're looking for a perfect church and there's no such thing as perfect because you showed up. You could tell I wanted to go someplace else and I paused. My wife said, thank you. Don't be saying that, girl. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And let me add something before I finish this. Not all the time, but many times in scripture, when the Lord is talking to you, he says you are the body of Christ. When he says the church, he's talking about the gathering of us together. Okay. You are Christ's body and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gift of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Those are all of the functions within the church house, church body, church building. And they are not in the order of rank. Most guys think that this is rank. So the individual that's the apostle, he's the deepest. So he always have to give him a special cane. And then you have the prophets. And then you have the teachers. You have miracles, okay, gifts of healings. Everybody in the church is supposed to at least start out in this category called helps. Assisting the church whether it be through giving, assisting through serving, ushering, children's church, youth, all the different functions, worship, music, praise, all the different type of functions, security, finding a place to serve in the house of God. You have a place, you have a job in the secular world, and you have a job in the kingdom world. And that job is usually found starting within the four walls of that church. You will fit one of these categories. Everybody starts in the area of helps and administrations, and then you begin to move up. Or you move wider. So as the, what's supposed to happen is wherever you are, you mature in that spot. You get bumped up once you are proven faithful or you widen because the church grows and the responsibility grows greater. So you might have an usher. He might like a, a previous church. That guy, when we joined in 93, he was the head usher. He's still the head usher. But so he never moved up in title, but his responsibilities grew wider because the church maybe might have been too 2,000 members, and then it ended up jumping to 16. So that's a huge responsibility. Okay, so so one of these is your function within the church. You cannot fulfill your function at home. So we don't need no people that are AWOL, absent without leave. That's a military term. 
you gone, nobody knows where you are. You have lost your position. And if you stay too long, you might get fired. I always remember this. Oh, God. Wherever God asks you to be right now is more important than the position of the president of the United States. And if you are not in that place, there are certain things that you miss because you're not in that place. You being in that place opens up other doors, other places. And as long as you're not in that place, the other doors stay closed. This is the reason why people who serve usually advance in the kingdom of God the quickest. I've been watching that over years. Okay. So we'll come back to that later. Ephesians chapter five, verse 24. But as the church is subject to Christ. So also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. I forgot the revelation for that one. So let's keep on going. Revelation chapter two. There's plenty of scriptures in the Bible. If I forgot, keep it moving. (laughs) Revelation chapter two, verse one. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. Revelation 2, verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life, says this. Revelation 2, 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword, says this. Jesus sent, when you go back and read Revelation, he sent message to the seven churches. There were no side messages sent to people who were not connected to it. So remember that. People who, now, of course, I'm talking to the choir mostly, but I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to just say it anyway. <laughs> just repeat stuff that you heard in church all the time. It means, I'm, I guess it means the messages of people who really don't need to hear it, but there are a lot of people that listen. Um, and, I, and I will cover people. Well, what if I can't find the church in the city that I'm? I'll cover that in a moment. There are other there are, are there are other things that you can do concerning that, you know. But but God expects you to be connected to a church. Some people, the reason they don't connect to a church because they're only looking what they can get out of it and not what they can give into it. And I'm not just talking about money. They're not they they when you when your mindset is give me give me give me give me give me you have the selfish spirit. All you want to do is just show up. Okay, just kind of kind of walk in and and make me feel good and, and tell me how God is going to bless me this week and, and I'll be back. Maybe. Okay, then you have the other individual. This is how it's supposed to be is you recognize that whatever church you are a part of is Jesus ministry in the planet and you are supporting him directly. So you come to not only to receive, but you come to give, yes, of your time, of your talents, of your sacrifice, of your money, of your voice, of your energy to help this machine move forward. And because you honor the Lord that way, he then honors you that way. Sometimes not immediately because they want to see what you do it with the right heart. Will you? Never mind. Man. uh, What is the lady's name? Tanya Hall. Um, um, I think the spirit is telling me to have her at our fifth anniversary thing if we don't have her sooner. But she was talking about time. Man, she was just talking about what happens to people who disrespect time. I wanted to faint because I was like, okay, now I know I'm not crazy because I had believed the Holy Spirit had given me some stuff and I had just been sitting on it about time. Because some people think, well, no, you're just going too extreme. But she, she didn't even go all the way into it. And she broke that sucker down about, about what happens to people who disrespect time. It is the most precious commodity in the planet, time. What you do with it, 
how you treat it. Do you show up on time? Or she talked about that. Do you show up on Because the one she started out by saying, I can't stand CP time. Because she said CP time is the most disrespectful thing for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, it busts through time. It created it for a reason. And, and we're the only community to think it's cool to show up late. We're the only ones. And, and, and there are some things that I don't share because sometimes, you know, you don't want to offend people. And granted, you know, most of the time, most of us have shown up someplace late. And I'm not talking about those rare occasions, you know, you know, all that type of stuff. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know. Oh, yeah. My wife, yeah, that's wise. I shared that with a couple of people the other day, other week, and they didn't know what that was. CP time is colored people time. You know, and it's a shame. It's, what would you say? Colored people. That's what it used to be called. You know, we're the only race that keep changing our name. You know, it was Negro. It was African, African-American, and it was colored. And I don't know what it is now. It's different variations. Wonderful. Black. You know, what would you say? Oh, now it's, oh, we've evolved to black people time. Okay, I, volu- I volunteer with uh, these uh, two, uh, well, it's a group of us, two of the ladies were Caucasian. And so there, there was a two ladies standing there and myself and another black lady. And we were joking about something. We're like, yeah, well, you know, you know, well, we see if it start on time because you know how CP time is. And they were like, well, what is CP time? I was like, y'all never heard of CP time? They were like, no, we have never heard of that. Oh, I said, let me give you a revelation and a confirmation and a teaching right now. They were shocked and appalled. They were like, are you serious? And see, there's something wrong when you are labeled by your negativity. The woman got healed, but guess what we do? We say the woman with the issue of blood. She doesn't have no issue of blood. But a lot of times people label you based on your negativity. And we have now a group of people that are in the earth and every race has so-called race has their own problems. But, you know, because it's white people that show up late, too. They got CP time. Mexican people show up late. Some Mexicans can be worse than black people sometimes. <laughs> Trust me on that one. OK, I mean, it's, you got Chinese people that show up late. So uh, but we seem to be kind of be the leaders in that area. <laughs> you just see, you know, evolve. but she broke that sucker. I can't even repeat it. I'd have to put it up and bring her and let her teach it. But she broke that sucker down about what happens to you when you disrespect time, when you do not show. And she said, and it is the worst when you show up late for kingdom stuff. She said it is the it is the absolute worst and the most disrespectful when you show up late for kingdom stuff. She said you will show up on time for your job. You will show up on time for a play. But when it comes to the kingdom stuff, it's okay to get there late. After all, we're going to be there next week. This stuff is being documented. I mean, no, sometimes we have to receive a rebuke. And when I went, look, let me tell you how me and my wife roll. We have six kids. There is never an excuse for us to be late because we have six kids. I'm going to look straight ahead just in case somebody thinks I'm talking about them. I don't know who came on time. I was in the glory. Ah, okay. It's never an excuse. That's our attitude for us to be late. We go to fellowships. We got, we're married with six kids and we show up before the single people do. We went to Pastor Brian's spot yesterday. He is in downtown surrounded by nightclubs. Crazy traffic. So we made sure my GPS said that it would take us 47 minutes to get there. We left to give us an hour and a half to get there. 
And I told my wife, we're going to leave an hour and a half early in case we run into traffic. And if we get there too early, which we did, we'll just pull over to the side of the road and talk for a moment. That's called respecting time. Also, it's respecting him. Because the last thing I want to do is put pressure on him. Man, where's Turnbull at? Where's Turnbull at? Now this is putting pressure on him. When you're running a meeting, you want to make sure everything goes right. But when I'm there and I'm there early, we got there before he did. The only time I get to his church before he does. Okay, learn to be on time, y'all. Bible says there is a time, y'all, and it's the worst thing in the world. When you are systematically late, you are programming yourself to miss stuff. Okay. That was a whole lot, wasn't it? Every person is supposed to have a pastor. There are no lone rangers in the spirit. There's some people that think that because they are apostles and and prophets and, and evangelists and traveling that they don't need a pastor. You're sadly mistaken. Okay, I got one. I listen to several times a week and it is only because of me listening to him that I have been able to rebuke myself the Holy Spirit has rebuked there's never a time I listen to that man and I'm not being rebuked that's a good thing when you are constantly being rebuked it means you are growing and God is pleased with you when you are never being rebuked that's very dangerous first Kings 22 because God says I only chastise those that I love if I don't say nothing to you might be a problem First Kings twenty two seventeen. So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep, which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let each of them return to his own house in peace. People who do not have a pastor always are being scattered and the enemy will always come into their life. Ezekiel 34. And I don't mean you. We have people that are members of this church that have never come. We have people that are members of this church that have never listened to the media page. We have people. This is my favorite. They're in another state. They become a member of the church yesterday at 11 o'clock p.m. And then at 11.30 p.m., we get a message saying, can you send me $1,500 to pay my rent? Because I'm a member of your church. You can get all type of stuff. You have to learn how to fish through that. Like I said before, learn the power of saying no. You have to tell people, no, well, I'm leaving your church. Wonderful. It lets me know what your mentality was in the first place. It's wonderful to be free, isn't it? It's wonderful to know that this is the Lord's house. He will send people in his timing. Ezekiel 34, 5. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for every beast of the field. This is what happens when you don't have a pastor. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. This is the reason why you will never see a person do anything great for God that does not have a pastor, period. I have never seen it happen because it is completely out of order. You are trying to do something outside of God's blueprint. It's like you're trying to be the chief executive officer of AT&T without working there. And there are some people, they are convinced, I'm just going to go my own way. No, that's rebellion because there are some things, y'all, there are, there are lessons that you learn when you want to do something and then the leadership says, no, not right now. That teaches you patience and humility. And this is I. Now, with me, what makes me different is I told my staff, I don't do a lot of guys. They do it on purpose. They test you on purpose. They will put you in scenarios on purpose to see what you're going to do. I told my staff, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not qualified to do anything on purpose, but I can guarantee you that there will be things that the Lord will blind me from seeing to test you. If you want to know more information about that, it's a book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Masterful book. 
Got to be very, very careful. Y'all still with me? Ezekiel 34, 23. Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Zechariah eleven seventeen. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword will be on his arm and on his right eye. His arm will be totally withered and his right eye will go blind. Now watch this. If that's God's judgment against the shepherd who leaves the flock, there's also a judgment about the flock who leaves the shepherd. Okay, we read one before, which is you end up being scattered and you end up being prey for the beast of the field. Well, I'm a man of faith and my man of power. Okay, you can be a man of faith and power all you want to. But if you have went outside the fence and it's dinosaurs out there, how many know that that Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to chew your head off in one bite? Some of my examples just come from left field, I understand, but you get the point. Mark 14, 7, 27. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So you see this. I'm giving you the scripture to show there is a direct connection and correlation between being in a fold over a shepherd, not having a shepherd and being scattered and being open prey to the demonic. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. So a pastor's role is to be, number one, an example to the flock, to teach the flock, to teach the people how to do the work of the ministry. And we watch over your souls. I woke up the day before yesterday, three o'clock in the morning and had a bitterness in my spirit about a particular individual. And I was like, what is this? And it was not good. So I got up and I spent time praying for that individual who will go nameless. I spent time praying for that individual, and then I sent them a text. I said, is everything okay? Lord woke me up. And you know, if I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I pray, then this was serious because I'm pretty much a failure in that area. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> I try to pick up the slack at 6 o'clock when I get up. But maybe because we're in this house, maybe I got a new revelation and a new atmosphere, but I was pretty much a failure with that 3 o'clock in the morning stuff. Jesus really couldn't count on me in that. He can count on me to pray any other time at 3 o'clock in the morning. I love sleep too much. I love food. And, and I love sleep. My wife will tell you, I can wake up 10 times in one night. It does not matter. Nothing will prevent me from going to sleep. It can be a tornado outside. Jesus could have come back and taken the church to glory and I missed it. I, nothing. I love sleep and, and, and food. And I think y'all love sleep and food too. Okay. Then I get into these weird times and seasons where I don't want to sleep. I wish sleep didn't exist. Any of that happen to you? Y'all like, no, that's you, brother. That's, that's your foolishness. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's just, I'm trying to accomplish work, and I'm just like, man, I just, I wish I didn't have to sleep. I wish, I told my wife, I wish it was eight days in the week. She's just looking at me like, what? You can't get it done in seven, huh? You got to have eight. Even God, never mind. Okay. Romans 16, three through five. There's something. Now, there is a side note here, which is a church is a gathering together of a group of believers with a leader. That's what a church is. Does not, you don't have to meet in the building. You can meet in the house. You can meet in a restaurant. Okay? Uh, a friend of mine and I were meeting in a Chick-fil-A the other day, and they were having a little small service in the back with a group of men. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Okay? I want to show you something. Um, Romans 16, 3 through 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risk their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, 
but also the churches of the Gentiles. Also, greet the church that is in their what? House. Colossians 4.15. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in their what? Her house. That's for all the people that don't believe in women preachers. Philemon 1, 2 through 3. And to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that is in your what? House. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you can't have a church in a building. You can't have a church in a restaurant. Okay? We are the body of Christ. It becomes a church wherever we meet. You can have a church in your house, but you do need a leader. Now, there is something that I have peace about saying Paul did this. He said, this is not really the Lord, but I have peace, and I believe the Lord trusts me to say this, which is you do have people that are members of this church. I'm saying this for their benefit. You have people that are members of this church because they honestly cannot find one. It is a problem finding a good, solid teaching church nowadays. Okay. Um, um, and, and for some places, they either have a lot of love fellowship and it feels like you're part of a family but the word is really weak then you have other places where the word has a little bit of meat to it but they just as manipulative and just it's no you feel like if I ever tell y'all any of my business it's going to be all over CNN so it's hard to find that balance I'm glad that we are doing whatever we can to make sure we provide that balance okay and so uh, you take the best of both worlds and get rid of all of the negative but there are people who are members of this church and what you should do is, is that, and these are people who, they're real members. So they listen to the media page faithfully, religiously. If I wait too long to put up one of these messages today, let me not put up today's message by tomorrow evening. I'll be getting calls and emails and texts and threats, all that. I've gotten all of the above, some at the same time. And if I don't respond, they, hey, can you hear me? Is your phone on? And they, man, they're serious. I mean, no, that's a good thing. Want that word. Okay. <clears throat> so. So they listen to the word religiously. You know, uh, they give tithes and offerings through PayPal. They're on the early morning prayer call. They're connected more than some people even here. They are connected. The only difference is they can't fellowship with us all the time. What some of them do is they actually come into town. Huh. Just remembered something. They come into town. Um, and uh, but some wish they could be here. Most are begging God to let them leave their city and come join here. But in that particular case, it's usually more than one. And what you can do is, is that I'm your pastor, but find a group of people to fellowship with in your own home. Have Bible studies together, pray together, different things like that, because I pretty much do everything for them. We counsel them over the phone, everything. I mean, counsel them only over the phone. The only thing we have not done is they can't see us every single week. So it is okay for you in this particular day and age to have a pastor in another state until you can find something else, or it might be your permanent pastor. If a pastor in another state, just make sure you're fellowshipping with other believers on a regular basis and that you stay connected. And then uh, follow the Spirit of God, and if you have any specialty questions, you can send them uh, to me by email or call me. All right, two special emphases, and then we'll be done. This is very, very important. Because two of the questions that were brought out, one was one that I had as a point, and another one was a question I felt the Holy Spirit wanted me to address. The first one was, does the leadership teach that God will speak to them before he will speak to you? Okay, now we have established God expects you to be a church. If you ain't fine, you don't have to find a perfect one. Find one that is given some basic teaching of the word that is giving scriptures and you have peace. Okay, it may not be perfect, but if you can't find anything, find something. It is okay for you to do something that I did years ago. Every Sunday, I will go visit a, a, a different church looking for one. I get up this Sunday and go visit one. I get up this Sunday 
go visit one. I still remember one Sunday I got up, I opened the door, and a tambourine flew right through the air. I went right back to the parking lot and went home. Yeah, I wasn't in the mood that day. Okay, nothing wrong with a tambourine. I'm just saying that, you know, I wasn't right back then. That's the pro- I just realized that's what the problem was. <laughs> wasn't nothing wrong with the church. I wasn't right. I just realized that. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be realizing. I might have the Holy Spirit telling, oh, nothing wrong with the church, dog. It was you that was crazy. Okay, I was very, I grew up very sheltered, so. A service like this would have been like, oh, no, this is the devil up in this place. Okay, so some of you have been there. So it is okay for you to look and and keep on looking and keep on looking. It's okay for you to visit two places at the same time until you are sure. Because if you visit two places at the same time, the strongest one and the one that is for you will eventually get on the inside of you and it'll push the other one away. God is not y'all all fickle like that. Where Oh, my God. No, it's OK for you to visit places on a regular basis until you are sure. Sometimes there's a disconnect. God is a father to us, not a. All right. But anyway. This notion of God wants you to do something, he will always speak to the faster first. This is foolishness. Uh, number one. Number two, this is nowhere in the Bible. <laughs> number three, there are no scriptural examples of this. Number four, if I'm supposed to get everything first about you, why do you need the Holy Spirit? I, I don't understand that. I mean, last time I read this, Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your helper. How many believe he's your helper? Not your, your helper. How many believe he's your helper? It didn't say that he helps you by giving me the revelation about your life. Pastors are really safety nets. That's what they are. They're safety nets. And we kind of help make sure that you're on the right track. Because, how I many you know, sometimes you thought it was the devil, but it was God. Sometimes you thought it was God, but it was the devil. Sometimes it was neither one, it was you. And sometimes you need help with that. I'm a pastor, and I need help with that. There are things that I bounce off my wife. There, there have been, maybe since I opened the church, there have been about, Maybe about four or five times that I caught another pastor and I say, hey, man, this is the situation. What do you think about this? What have you done? And I get counsel from other individuals. We all need that from time to time. Your title doesn't determine how much help you need. It's you as an individual that determines how much help you need. Okay. So, you know, that's foolishness. Let me show you how important this is and how dangerous this is for you to follow what you believe is the spirit of God as long as it's within the fence of scripture. We're going to read one of the craziest stories I have ever heard of in the Bible. First Kings chapter 13. Valuable lesson. <clears throat> First Kings chapter 13. Man of God is prophesying over this altar and the king does not like what he hears. So he says, stop that man. And when he stretches out his arm, his arm just dries up right in midair. Now, verse four. Now, when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, seize him. But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar, some of y'all wish the Lord would do that for some of the people on your job, don't you? <laughs> the altar also was split apart and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. The king said to the man of God, please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me 
and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. He recognized, I better not fool with this prophet because this dude is the truth. I'll give you a reward. Come on, man. Come home with me. Listen to verse eight. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Now, how many of you understand, okay, that he told this king, I can't come with you, man. The Lord gave me a command to leave this place and go to another. How many of y'all see that? Now, let's pick this up For, uh, in verse 11 through 19. Now, an old prophet. Now, the reason why it says oh, when it does stuff like that, it's a reason. It didn't say another prophet. It said an old prophet. So the Lord wants you to wants to show you that this man is probably older in maturity, been around the things of God longer and older in age. And typically you will be tempted to listen to people like that. Tell you stuff about what God told you to do. Age is a number. How many know some old fools? Nothing worse. You 80 still trying to be a pimp. You ever see you ever go to the club? Terry, I know you can bear with me on this one. You ever go to the club and it's, and it's 20 year olds up in the club and you see this one guy come in like he from another time zone trying to fit in with a hat cocked to the side wearing one of them three piece suits and some plastic gaiters. That's some Detroit mess right there. Detroit is hair city and gator city. You're not in the will of God if you don't have gators. That's in the club and in the church. <laughs> Should have said that, but it's truth anyway. Some of y'all used to wear them. Some of y'all got some pictures right now of an orange suit. <laughs> With a fur coat on. All right. An old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the deeds which the younger man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken to the king, they also related it to their father. Their father said, which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the younger man of God who came to Judah had gone. And then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey and he rode away on it. So he went after the younger man of God and found him sitting under an oak. He said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? He said, I am. He said to him, come home with me and eat bread. Same thing the king asked. Then he said, he said, I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord. You shall eat no bread, nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. He said to them, here we go. Well, I'm a prophet just like you. And an angel spoke to me. So when people try to convince you of stuff that you shouldn't do, they try to make it seem like their experience is greater than yours. An angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So the young prophet went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now, let me add something before I go to the next passage. Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. Thank you. A couple of things here. You have a younger man of God, older man of God. Okay. 
A new police officer on the force today has the same authority in the world of crime as the police officer on the force for 30 years. Remember that. Okay. So he got a word and the Lord told him, do not go this place. But then here comes another man that's been in the ministry longer. Okay. You can almost see this as congregation and pastor. Okay. Um, young pastor and older pastor. You know, had one guy who called me one time. And, and I killed him. I didn't mean to, but I don't appreciate older gentlemen calling me, you know, and they say stuff like this. Man, what is this I hear? You trying to you trying to operate in the spirit. You trying to cast out demons, man. And so. And so, uh, you know, and, and so I'm nice at first. One guy, you know, I said, well, you know, you know, we do prayer. He said, yeah, I do prayer, too. Oh, well, not like this, you don't. So I, 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 I laid out what we did prayer, and he got real silent. He somehow, you know, sometimes you just got to kill folk. You just got to kill them. You just got to kill them. It's not your intention to kill them. You know, when I talk about, you know, murder, weapon, gun, shoot up, bang, bang, murder, we just, you got to kill their spirit sometimes. Jesus do that. They just won't leave you alone. You just got to go fleshly and carnal on them. You can't cuss them out. You want to sometimes. But, but, but that's the reason why Jesus wasn't going around quoting scripture all the time. He would kill these dudes. I mean, he just, he would throw them in scenarios and they would get so confused. They would say, man, we got to come back another day and ask this man some questions. I mean, he's just, man, this dude. <clears throat> hey, so, but this guy come to him and say, well, an angel spoke to me. And see, what happens is, there, how many of you have ever, any of you have ever been in a position where you know the Lord told you to do this? And you were clear with that. And you were fine to that, with that. Until you talk to Reverend such and such. Or you talk to sister, know every scripture. A brother have coffee with Jesus every morning. And because they are uncomfortable with what the Lord told you, they try to give you a great experience where the Lord is saying such and such. No, he's not. No, he's not. I found a valuable lesson, y'all. When the Lord tells you to do something, he usually doesn't tell anybody else. He just tells you. Now, if you're married, he'll usually tell your spouse or your spouse will have peace. And sometimes the spouse won't get it yet. There have been things that my wife has shared with me. I didn't get nothing. Wasn't no ducks flying around. Wasn't no hummingbirds. Wasn't no dove with an olive. Nothing. I didn't get nothing. I had to trust her integrity. You know, because remember this, y'all. It is okay to make a mistake in the kingdom of God if you thought you were doing the right thing. God does not hold that against you because he understands. I mean, how many of you, you know that your child. I mean, think about this, y'all. This is what religion does. Your child wants to make you a Mother's Day cake. So they go into the kitchen and they try to make this cake and they present this thing to you. And and when you taste it, you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, give me the faith to keep a straight face to eat this cake. You go downstairs and, and they, they, they haven't finished cleaning up. I mean, once you think the proper perspective is looking at the, what the heart of the child was trying to do. But yet when it comes to God, we're trying to please him we go left thinking and believing that we're supposed to go left, even if we weren't sure. Well, Lord, I'm going to just go left. I believe this is what I'm supposed to do. And then we think God is mad at us because we then find out later there was a mistake. That's what religion does. That's why so many people are uncomfortable stepping out and doing anything. Because religion has said, make one false move. God is going to bring out that great Holy Ghost mallet from on high. Smash you into the ground. It's amazing. We were acting a fool for the devil and God didn't kill us. Me and Terry was in the nightclub all night long. <laughs> Just mess with you. God didn't kill us then. 
Some of us done stole. Might be some ex-murderers in here. We don't know. We didn't shot at people. We didn't cuss people out. We manipulated the tax and social security system. We didn't took money. We didn't stole clothes. We didn't cuss people out every day. Smoke weed on the right, cigarette on the left with a ball of ripple in the middle. We didn't done all type of stuff. The goodness of God causes us to change. Now we end trying to please him and he's trying to find a way to hurt us. I don't understand that. All right, the story gets deeper. First Kings chapter 13, verse 20. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who brought them back. Now this is what's deep. The young prophet got a command from the Lord. The old prophet caught up with him and lied, and lied to get him to come back to his house. When the young prophet came back to his house, then the anointing came upon the old prophet who lied. That shows you something right there. You got men of God who they might have the anointing today. And tomorrow what they tell you might be straight from the pit. That's why the Lord does not put your destiny into the hand of another man. Men are called to help you speed up your destiny. God doesn't put your destiny in the hand of another man. That man can miss it. That man can get jealous of you. That man might. I tell people, I have no problem telling you. Let me try to start controlling people. And watch what happens. There'll be a season, small one in my particular case, I get very little grace in regards to this because the Lord knows that if I start controlling people, I know exactly what I am doing and the damaging effects. So there might be zero grace for me to do something like that. Let me do something like that. You'll be like, why is the Lord telling me to go to Kingdom International Church down the street and leave Lionheart? The Lord, I, I learned a valuable lesson. Psalm 2710. If your father and mother reject you, the Lord shall take you up. So the scripture the Lord gave me, let me know it was okay for me to leave. I didn't leave because I was trying to do my own thing. I left because I didn't like where the ship was going. But the person is listening and got a problem with it. <clears throat> came about as they were sitting down at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the young man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord. And have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. In other words, you're going to die and they won't even put you in a casket. Came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him. For the young prophet whom he brought back and now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion also was standing beside the body. Okay, you read the rest of this later. Okay, the old man of God went and found out where he got killed. And it says that when he was showing up, the lion and the donkey were just standing there. It says the donkey had not, the, the donkey was standing there and that the lion had not destroyed the donkey. They just stood there. I have no idea what that means. I have no, if you got a revelation, let me know at the end of the service because I've been trying to figure out for years. I have no idea, but there was an instruction given to that lion. Destroy that man. <laughs> you can have that. All because, and, and this is what amazes me. This is the reason why the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. A person's gifting will work when they are wrong. A person's gifting will work even when they are not saved. A person's gifting will work if they are at the right church, wrong church, whether they're in obedience or disobedience. That's why you have to be careful with gifting. 
When I say careful, I don't mean we need to be looking out one eye when people come up and give a word. I'm not talking about that. You have to be careful with only relying on gifting. Gifting must always be tempered and funneled through integrity, meekness, humility, and ultimately the word of God. The Lord is saying that you can have a second wife. All right. Well, we'll see where that goes. You'd be surprised what's been prophesied and prophesied out of pulpits. I remember one lady years ago, she said, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. There's fear in the camp. Fear in the camp. Such great fear that even I, God, I'm afraid. Now, this is my role as a pastor. My role as a pastor is not to publicly embarrass that woman because this is somebody who's trying to operate in the gifting and they just need a little assistance. And sometimes when people are nervous, stuff like that will come out. I heard one of the craziest ones. This girl started out right. And next thing you know, she was talking in name. It was just weird. I can't even repeat it. It was weird. <clears throat> All right. So. This is an example of when the Lord tells you to sue something and it's clear, don't let anybody talk you out of it, period. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. You have, all of us have the exact same ability to hear from God. If you don't, it means you got a different Holy Ghost than I do. We all have the same spirit of God. God is not a respecter of persons and every scripture from the beginning of the book to the back of the book that talks about hearing from God is always dressed to every individual and not select groups. But we have been taught that the Lord will only give you something if the leader agrees with it. Now, let me say this. When you are on the right track, a good leader will be able to confirm what you are doing. That's how they confirm it. They just have peace. Not that they, under, not that they understand it. I will never understand some of the decisions that the Lord will give my people because it's not meant for me to understand. They don't even understand it. He just told them to take this crazy step. It's not my role to understand it. It's my role to make sure do I have peace about it. Because how many know the Lord have you do some crazy stuff? Do you have peace? Some stuff looks terrible, but you have peace. Some stuff looks wonderful, and you're like, this might be the devil. All right. So keep that in Important. You know, it's balanced with that, balanced with that. But don't let people make you second guess your ability to hear from God. Now, of course, there are going to be times when you come up with something, you believe the Lord is telling you this. My role is to say, well, look, OK, that's really outside of Scripture. The Lord would never tell you something like that. OK. And you have to trust that sometimes the Lord would never tell you to do something like that. You know, I, I, this bears repeating because I only have one last point. Some of you have heard this before. I had a young lady who showed up at our other location and she was doing all this prophecy over me and, you know, Lordish, Lordish. It was very uncomfortable, you know, um, very uncomfortable because she was trying to seduce me. I don't know why, but, you know, never mind. Let me keep it right. How many know you can be a legend in your own mind? <laughs> you know, you can... So she's prophesying, and, and she was like, you know, the Lord is showing me that you're going to be bigger than T.D. Jakes, and you're going to be bigger than Creflo Dollar, you're going to be more powerful than Juanita Bottom. She was just going on and on and on, and, and I was just sitting there like, oh, okay. You know, and for me, that type of stuff doesn't really impress me. It's like I'm not trying to compare myself to another man 
to determine how good I am in ministry. Okay. So she goes through all that, goes through all that. It just made me uncomfortable. And this was the second time dealing with this person. So on the way home, I'm driving down the freeway and I'm just meditating on this young lady and this experience. And just as clear, because I knew something was wrong, just as clear as day, clear as day. Okay, I'm going to show you how the word is the safety net. The Holy Spirit said, why would I send a servant, one of my servants, to another servant to give them a word about their destiny by comparing them to other servants when I said in the word to compare yourselves to one another is not wise. When he gave me the word, then I realized that the gifting was off. So the gifting is always built up on the word. The word is the foundation and the gifting. Go- now, doesn't mean that you won't do crazy and goofy stuff. How many of you know? Jesus did some stuff that was really questionable. I mean, you walk on water, you could have just waited for a boat the next morning. That's what have been my theory. You know, the one guy was blind and, and Jesus spit in the ground. How many of you know if somebody is blind, crippled, crazy, you spit on the ground and make a mug kick and then slap on a person's face, you better, you couldn't hear from, you got to hear from Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, angels, you got to have about 20,000 emails from the, whole, from the kingdom of God, you better hear from God, you spitting on the ground making a mug cake, and then on top of that, you could now, I spat on the ground, I made the mug cake, I put it on your face, and I go jump in the river. What? <laughs> okay, that's called gifts of healings. Weird and abnormal stuff that brings about manifestation. Okay, so you do have that. So you can see these different type of crazy things that might happen in the service. And yes, we can find that in the word. Okay, so it's, you know, you can see how it's just sensitivity, being careful, being bold, but making sure that we have purity of heart and intent. But the Lord, have you do some, I mean, the Lord uses Nicole like that with gifts of feelings. She do some stuff. And you're like, what is she doing? It's called gifts of healing. It's weird stuff. She did a phone call one time and they had the person backing up, take two steps to the left and, and, and you know, almost like the song or something. And, okay, hold a minute. She stopped praying in tongues. Okay, take one step over to the left to the third degree, 360 degree angle and all that type of stuff. And then Nicole gave her the, the instructions and then the woman, uh, the, the husband said he heard his wife's back cracking. Crack, 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 crack. And her, her back straightened up. How do you know that's weird? It's weird to us. But you have to look at the manifestation. Now, if you had an apparent doing the two-step and the hustle and all that type of stuff, and now nothing happens, well, then we might have an issue here. <laughs> but how I many know we got to practice this stuff? And if we practice it in humility and meekness, sensitivity and love, tempered through the word, we're not going to make too many mistakes. That's why we haven't made many with no training. <clears throat> last one. This was a question last Sunday. Pastor, how do you respond to being in a church that believes in open rebuke? in front of the congregation with the participants, offenders, cooperation. Scripture is used to back this up. How many of you have ever seen that? Maybe not. Some of you are scared to raise your hand in case I rebuke you. Okay, it's a bad experience, trust me. First Timothy, let me show you where they get this from. First Timothy chapter five. Let me show you, now this is really weird. Let me show you how you can read something in the word, obey it, and still be wrong. Not until I show you, we understand it. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Okay. Now, in the King James, it says those that sin. It doesn't say those that continue in sin. Well, most people read the King James. So if you did one thing wrong, they pulled you up in front of the congregation and embarrass you. First problem. 
Okay. Second thing is it says those that continue in sin. Okay. This is an extreme example. But now what happens is they take this and turn this into doctrine. And let me show you the Lord's heart concerning his very scripture. Because I'm going to show you a couple of, this is where we close, show you a couple of scenarios where someone did something completely wrong and Jesus did not even hold himself to his own law. <laughs> Seeing some of y'all like, thank God. How many of y'all ever been embarrassed like that? I know I have. Hey, I've been, man, they pull you up and, and then they wonder why you don't want to come to church no more. Why would I want to come to church? Okay, I mean, how many know when you got in trouble at school, what did they do? You had to go see the counselor in the privacy of the office. How many know when you did something wrong on the job, they pulled you into the office and gave you an oral warning? You know, nope, not in the church. <laughs> we want to broadcast you to the whole world to be crucified like Jesus Christ. It's only one person that bore that shame, him. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too won't be tempted. So you have scriptures and when you read them, one of the things that I've learned is this. When it comes to the word of God, if you are a problem, if you have a problem with fear, you're going to read the you're going to read the word through the eyeglasses of fear. If you are a judgmental, critical Christian, you're going to read the word through the eyeglasses of criticism and being judgmental. If you are a person who practices love more than anything else, you will read every scripture through the eyeglasses of love. So there are some things that are written in scripture that if you don't see that from the eyeglass of love, you will interpret it off. You might have obeyed it, but you still did it wrong because had you seen it through the eyes of love, you would have backed off and used it only as a last resort. Because here it says if somebody messes up, it says, how many know when you restore someone in the spirit of gentleness, the spirit of gentleness is not me pulling up Francia and 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 saying, hey, you know, Francia, she gave a word last week and she was totally out of order. That's not the spirit of gentleness. That's the spirit of embarrassment. John 8, I'm sorry, John 8, 3 through 11. The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. It's one of my favorite stories. Having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. She was in the very act. Where's the man? I I never did understand that. We caught her in the very act. Okay. Maybe that was one. Maybe one. Never mind. You know what would be deep? This This is how some crazy people are. I wouldn't have been surprised if one of the dudes that was, that was telling on her was one of the ones that was sleeping with her. <clears throat> Number five. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. But what do you say? <laughs> they were saying this, testing him so that they may have grounds for accusing him. Jesus stooped down and with his finger Wrote on the ground. Everybody been trying to figure out what's the revelation of the writing on the ground. I just think he was trying to buy time personally, but I could be wrong. Verse seven, when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one. 
beginning with the older ones. The older ones left first because they had more sins to think about. He was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no, Lord. Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. Now, the law says you're supposed to be stoned. But Jesus was the epitome of love. So he even looked at the law through the eyes of love. Okay, we will not destroy you if we don't have to. Okay, we will do everything that we can to save you so much. So, yes, you fell into sin, but we must restore you in the spirit of gentleness. How many know that was the spirit of gentleness when Jesus, number one, he knew, number one, he knew that number one, y'all are so judgmental, nothing worse than a judgmental Christian. Okay. He said, y'all are so judgmental. Y'all want this lady to be killed over something. And now he was thinking, you were sleeping with Susie Sue last week. And I know you were stealing the money and you've been lying to the people and, and you got your secret sins over here and you sleeping with the man. All these different type of things. This is what's going through Jesus' mind. So he said, okay, how can I figure this out and do this correctly? Oh, I got it. All right. You're right. She does need to be stoned. Any of you that never made a mistake, pick up the first rock. That's how you use words as a craft. To make everybody like, not everybody feels stupid. And they all left. Now, perfection and imperfection. And Jesus still says to the woman, well, nobody condemn you, neither did I. Just don't do it again, okay? All right, Lord. All right, go on about your business. Boom. See how simple that was? Not us. Now, that was adultery. That was adultery. I was talking to somebody last week, and they said their pastor wanted them to come to a service. And because he didn't come to the service and decided to go to a play instead, that then the pastor stood him up and embarrassed him in front of the congregation next week. Then brought him in a private meeting. He said in the private meeting, he told the pastor, this ain't about me coming to your little church service. This is about the spirit of control and you using me as an example. And the pastor told him, you're 100% right. And these guys that are doing this, not that they, some are doing it in ignorance, some are doing it on purpose to control you. They believe that God has called them to control you. Hey, I don't have that much energy. I can't even control my kids half the time. <laughs> yeah, we moved in this house, and Lorana had left, and I hear this boom, 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 just over, like repeatedly, boom, boom, boom. And you know, how many know you hear noises in your house with the kids? Well, now without a department, I can let them rip and run. They didn't turn this thing into an uh, amusement park, man. They... Woo, track meet up in the house. And you hear the boom, boom, boom. You know, you hear that for a while, and then you get to thinking, I might need to investigate this new foreign sound that I'm hearing. And so I walked out the room. I got to walk all the way down this long hallway, and, and, I, and I looked in the room, and no kids. And the three oldest ones at school. And so I go down the stairs, and I peep underneath the ceiling, and, and the two youngin' kids then turned our brand-new couch into a trampoline. I didn't get mad. I told him, I said, you better be glad that your mama did not see y'all jumping on her brand new couch. We would be having a funeral service right here in our own house. It was a look on their face. You know how kids do stuff and they don't realize it's stupid until they get caught like, we might need to get delivered. What made us jump on this brand new couch? That's the look that was on their face. Especially them two. They just sit there like, why do we do something like that? I don't know where I share all that. Watch this one. Matthew 1, 18 and 19. How many know that Joseph was engaged to Mary 
to be his, she was supposed to be his wife. He found out she ended up pregnant. How I many know? Unless you get a vision from Jesus on an angel, you're not going to bind to this concept that you just got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. How I many know? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. We need to commit you to an insane inside. You just sit there all of a sudden. Holy Ghost is no. But watch this. As crazy as that was. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, watch this, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. King James has said he did not want to make her a public example. So even though in his mind, he thought this girl had cheated on him and become pregnant by another man, he still, the Bible says he did it because he was a righteous man. King James says just man. So righteousness is equated with covering a person's sin. Not covering it so that they can continue, but covering it so that you won't be embarrassed by what you did because all of us have done something that we were embarrassed about. First Peter four, eight. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins, not humiliates and embarrassed publicly covers. We understand that you did something wrong. Fine. The Lord has forgiven you. Let's have a private counsel and assess about it. And we keep it in between us. Nothing wrong. In the, or nothing worse than a pastor or first lady. They counsel you. And next thing you know, one other congregation member is telling you about what you shared in the counseling session. That's not covering, that's exposing. Last one, Galatians 5, 14. For the law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this notion that it is okay for leaders to publicly embarrass you because they are the man, with a D, of God is straight up foolishness. It is not scriptural. Scripture makes it clear. Love covers a multitude of sins. When a person sins, restore them in the spirit of gentleness, watching yourself lest you fall into the same foolishness. Okay? And then my favorite one, which is the Bible says that the law and all the prophets hang on this one. That is, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, how many know that if you fell into something, which you did, you would not want anyone to publicly embarrass you? So why do you think other people want to be publicly embarrassed? See, so so and, you know, the sad part is, is that people are going to these different places and they're believing that this is actually OK in their lives, their emotions, their destiny, their gifting, everything. Their calling is being shut down because they are afraid to make a move because of what such 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 might say. And it's worse when you get into sometimes and this is with pastors when you get over into prophets and apostles the abuse can even be worse it can be much much worse you know I had to tell I ain't gonna say that but more and more I'm having to when, when we preach this stuff when we preach this stuff this is what's going on in the world right now people know it's this is this amazes my wife and I people know that what I just taught is right yet they will never make a move until they can find another man who will back them up once they find a pastor who tells the truth and will back them up, it's like having a big brother. 
They're like, okay, well, I know I can leave now. You know, I told that to a, a younger a group last week about they were believing certain things and couldn't find hardly anybody to teach on it. But now they have a ministry that not only teaches it, but will back them up. How I many you know it's going to give you great confidence when what you believe you have your pastor and your family behind you? People can call you crazy. Oh, no, you can call me crazy all you want, but, but I'm not crazy. Because and, and, and it helps when your when your ministry has like a lion type nature, boldness, arrogance in your face. You no matter what you say, we're going to run you down anyway, that type of thing, you know. So that helps. But you need that in these days because people have been so abused. And it's, it's, it was important. Now, once again, there are people who's going to listen to this message and boohoo through the entire message already got people who did. But for you, you needed to hear this because more and more we have a church where most of the congregation members will be more mature than most pastors. So as a result of that, the Lord will more and more start sending people across your path. When you know certain things, God will send people across your path for you to share with them what you know. And you got, you got to be able to share with them, yeah, no, that right there, I don't care what your pastor said, that's abuse. Let's look at what the word says. Not him, let's look at what Jesus said. Not him, let's look at what the Holy Spirit does. Not him, let's look at this. Because when you stand before God, it's going to be this, not him. He'll be the one standing behind you with Kleenex while you're getting his reward. Okay, so go ahead and say it. That's what happens when you don't lock the door. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He was like, I don't think that's a play that they have around a certain time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So just remember those things. You know, you have the ability to hear from God. This is a military unit and it's a family. And the pastor's role is to be an example to the flock, bring you up to speed very, very fast, help you stay on the correct road, um, um, all of those things to help counsel you, help. But we are not to be the Holy Spirit to you. We're not to be okay, Jesus to you, not to be your father to you, all of those different type of things. We can be a type of father and a type of mother. The Bible calls us under shepherds. Um, but, uh, but just remember that there's great freedom in Christ, but Christianity is freedom with offense. You know, so just remember that. Go ahead and lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you. We magnify you. Glory and honor be unto you.